Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Thanks. I don't need help. Just watch me love myself. That's all I want. Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about women supporting women. This Monday night on Clayton's season of The Bachelor, it was Women Tell All, just a space for sisterhood, empowerment, and really putting shine theory into action. Wait, sorry, I'm checking my notes. It's all flooding back. That's actually not what happened last night. It was more like women insulting each other's asses and, like, slut-shaming. Is that ringing a bell? Oh, oh, my God, right. I guess I just, like, had a rage blackout and completely forgot. I had really suppressed those memories. But here to help us remember all of the painful details of this evening of The Bachelor, we have BuzzFeed senior culture reporter and host of the podcast The Rise and Fall of LuLaRoe, Stephanie McNeil. Hi, guys. I'm so happy to talk about the sisterhood with you. Yeah. um, Feminism in action. It's just (laughs) what I love to see. If you ever need to know what feminism is all about, I just implore you to watch last night because that was truly just women supporting women from top to bottom. It really was just like women screaming at each other that they weren't wife material because they're such whores <laughs> interspersed with with women being like feminism means getting to have sex with as many people as you want and I support that and being applauded by the audience. And I was like I'm deeply confused by the message of this show. Yeah, there if you just want to understand what like a crisis we're in <laughs> in this moment in feminism, watch this episode because you're just like wow, we're everyone's confused right now the show is trying to incorporate feminism and instead it's just having like a total fracture of philosophy (laughs) and falling apart uh so let's dive in jesse palmer welcomes us to the women tell all his chiron of course reads not clayton eckard 
He's, like, already distancing himself from his fail son, and the episode (laughs) hasn't even started. I feel Uh, for Jesse. I get confused by him every single time because I think it's Clayton. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) He's straight-haired Clayton. It's like if Clayton, like, used a a straightening iron before coming out on stage. To spike his hair To spike it straight up in the air. Uh, No, it's tough when you do so much work to really raise a good man to be bachelor and then he embarrasses you like this i mean poor jesse so here tonight for women tell all we have claire kate hunter jill elizabeth marlena cassidy kira eliza shanae sarah Lindsay w mara sierra genevieve teddy and serene Whew. what a crew once again i'm just like what a selection of names on this season like <laughs> This is no four Laurens. This is like a very eclectic assortment of names. And that's about the only part of this episode that I'm here for. <laughs> like the good names and the good outfits. Yeah, they all came dressed to impress. That that dress style is back. That's like a loose, gauzy looking material, but it's somehow sculpted into a very firm little balcony for your boobs. Like three of them were wearing this kind of dress. That's like a Teddy signature. Oh, she wasn't even like the wearing off the one. Shoulder one? Oh, it was like oh, Genevieve. Genevieve's. Genevieve's. It's yeah. like two little firm cups swaddled in in the, gauze the stru- that the are just structural. Like, uh, yeah, the structural bodice. I don't um, like stru- I I don't like structure in my dresses. <laughs> like <that>. Yeah. <laughs> well, it usually <laughs> results into like just digging straight into all of the soft parts of your body yeah. and like. That can be unpleasant. I would not want to be on TV in anything that was structured. I would like to be free and flowing. This is this is why the three of us host podcasts <laughs> yeah. and don't go on. We're not reality willing TV. to do the work uh, of being exactly. on reality TV. So Jesse rolls a supercut, essentially of the villains on the season. So Claire, remember Claire when she was the villain, Cassidy and Shanae. And it culminates in all of Shanae's sort of least flattering moments, like when she admitted that her apology was fake, calling Genevieve a chihuahua, saying she deserves an Oscar for her performance with Clayton. And so obviously the first thing that the women do when this reel ends is they start going at Shanae harder than I have ever seen anyone go at someone on reality TV in my life. The first response is literally Kate asking Shanae, were you locked in a closet as a kid? Because what was that? That was pretty dark. And I'm like, Kate, that's pretty dark. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I was floored by this. And I understand all of these women are coming on this stage to do their Bachelor in Paradise audition, stand out, because or else you end up just not shown on camera at all if you're not yelling at someone. But, like, man, it just made, like, no one came off well. I feel like these women went to consultants before the show and got a bunch of, like, zingers that they could throw at Shanae immediately because (laughs) I think the funniest part of the whole episode was they just started and they all had these like one-liners prepared and yeah like you said it was clearly a Bachelor in Paradise audition but then Jesse Pollard just like sitting there like a therapist almost in the background (laughs) just like staring at them a really ineffective and they kept just like cutting to him and I was like he's not even hosting at this point he's just sitting there observing the chaos (laughs) 
He's his only real role is to sit there looking like these ladies, am I right? Until finally some threshold of time has been crossed and he has to be like, ladies, ladies, ladies. I know you all want to call Shanae a nasty slut, but we're going to get to that later. But first, Claire, I was like, thank you for nothing, Jesse. This is very ineffective. Yeah, useless, <laughs> useless. After Between this and Love is Blind, I am just incensed at the lack of skill of a lot of these celebrity hosts. He just had this almost serene look on his face as well. <laughs> like he was somewhere else. Like he yeah. wasn't there. Well, if I was him, I'd probably be dissociating yeah. as well. So. Mentally, I'm I'm at my mansion with my model wife right now, who I did not meet on The Bachelor. Just enjoying all of the spoils that this existence and this franchise has brought to me. Um, so Shanae did not come here to be contrite. Actually... Sinead came with a prepared line that wasn't really a zinger, but her goal was more to just kind of sit back, absorb all the insults, and then calmly be like, I gave Clayton everything he asked for. I gave him openness. I gave him vulnerability. I gave him honesty. I gave him all of those things while the women shrieked at her. Um, So when everyone just starts coming at her, she's just going like, you're all fake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, you were fake. So, I don't know. I'm sorry. I Was any... Were you guys surprised that she didn't come prepared to, like, make nice a little bit? I feel like she was leaning into the role that she had played all season. And I think she made the calculation of, is it worth it for my brand and what I'm trying to accomplish here to be contrite. And maybe no, maybe it's more worth it for her to continue to lean into that character, bait all of the other women into being extremely nasty and sit back and let it all just wash over her. And that takes a very particular personality because I would be sobbing if someone said like one of the things that was said to any of these women. She's an interesting case study because to me it seemed very obvious that she had decided to go in there and be a villain. And we've seen a couple of yeah. people do that in recent seasons. And it just kind of flopped. Like Victoria, the princess from Matt James season, like clearly was trying to do that, but no one was really buying it and no one really cared. <laughs> but she like somehow did a mix of, from a viewer's perspective, she was clearly trying to be the villain of the season. She had cast herself as the villain of the season, but the women bought it. Which I feel like is something that you don't really see that often anymore. I mean, I feel like this was like Courtney Robertson level of hatred. I think she was the closest we've gotten in a long time to a Courtney type villain. And the reason that it works is because she played a decent game with Clayton. Yeah. Right? Like you have to entice the lead in order for that to work. Yeah, I was gonna say the problem with Victoria wasn't I don't think that the other women didn't buy Victoria being a villain per se. I think they just didn't feel threatened by her that much because it didn't seem like Matt was that into her. But once it became clear that Shanae could go to Clayton and he would listen to her because he thought she was hot. Then they all started to feel like whatever game Shanae is playing, it doesn't matter if it's real or not, she can get me sent home. And that's all you really need to take on a larger-than-life presence in the house. And so you do have to have that really affect it. Like, even if the producers love you and they want you to stay, the other women aren't going to be really afraid of you unless they think Clayton likes you better. Um, And Shanae somehow did that. So 
you know, she she does come in committed to kind of sticking with this villain role throughout. And meanwhile, the women are just trying to, like, berate her into apologizing. They're like, you faked that apology. You lied to Clayton. Just admit it. And Shanae's like, I did it because he asked me to. I did it for him. Like, he's the only one I cared about. I was giving him openness, honesty, and vulnerability. And Sierra is yelling at her, like, you can call us all bitches from behind a screen. Call me a bitch to my fucking face. You won't do it because you're a little ass bitch. This is almost one of the milder things that anyone says to Shanae during this episode. I loved Sierra. I thought that, you know, <laughs> she clearly was like earning her role on Paradise and she did it. She also was consistent yes. with her brand on the show. And I will say like, a lot of the women came with zingers that just felt grubby and nasty. And at least when Sierra was really going hard, I was like, she's just kind of telling it like it is. Like, Sinead did say nasty things about them in an ITM and then was fake to their face. And why not call her out on that? Now's the time. Yeah, she's right. not saying, like, did your parents lock you in a closet and only feed yeah, you through a the, hole the or something? <laughs> deeply twisted shit. Like, Kate, I liked Kate on the season, and I did Me not too. like her at all on Women Tell All. Everything she said was, like, absolutely vicious. I mean, it really felt like she came prepared. And she wasn't even there that long. Her. I was like, Kate, well, Jesus Christ, like, you weren't going to marry Those are always Clayton. the ones who go the hardest. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. they know that they have to in order to get any screen time. But yeah. whereas I felt some sympathy for Genevieve really going at Shanae in nasty ways because of the duration of her suffering. Yeah. <laughs> I felt very little for Kate being like, I was sent home as a consequence of what you did with Clayton. And I was like, like no, you no, were you sent weren't. home because he wasn't into you. It's, yeah, it's how it goes. <sighs> Jesse, Jesse is like, this has started too early. We need to go in order of our villains. Let's talk about Claire, who I was just reminded is the most delightful villain ever. Because her whole <laughs> villainy is just like, Clayton sucks. I'm drunk. Fuck yeah. that dude. I hate him. Is it controversial to say Team Claire? Like they I don't are, think I, so. I like they. She was right. Why can't she just? She like, was right. Why can't she bang some dude before she goes on The Bachelor? Like, oh, that was Cassidy. Oh, that's Cassidy. Oh, Cassidy. Cassidy. Well, there are actually there. several villains that I ended up feeling sympathetic toward for various Same. reasons. Claire, I always was sympathetic to. Claire's thing is she came night one, had one conversation with Clayton. And then decided she didn't like him. So she started hanging around and being like, oh, I hated him. Oh, my God. I can't, I can't date America's sweetheart. I would eat him and spit him out. And everyone was like, well, you should have just left. And she's like, well, yeah, but I was, like, bored and I got drunk at the bar. And I was and like, I was like you know honestly, okay. that's, that's a compelling that's a compelling answer to that charge. And everyone, no one can even really seem to, like, work it up to actually be angry at her. And I was relieved. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the producers had, like, a list of people they were clearly going through, and they got to her, and everyone was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I guess we have to deal with this. But we're also, like, okay, yeah, maybe you should have left. And she's like, yeah, sure. And they're like, okay. But mm. also, I just revealed my really hardship of the season, which is I had a really hard time telling the blonde villains apart. <laughs> well, so did Because they were all blonde. They, and they just, like, <laughs> kind of, like, I had a really hard time telling Shanae and Elizabeth apart. Yeah, well, the main way I did it, honestly, is Elizabeth usually wore a dark lip, and mm. Shanae usually Straight went hair. for a nude lip. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, these are these subtle styling distinctions. <laughs> so let's talk about 
Cassidy, who was our first, like, kind of real villain. Um, Claire was there for, like, two hours. Cassidy stuck around for an entire week and (laughs) really messed with everyone's heads for that very brief amount of time. Jesse's like, Cassidy, you fought for as much one-on-one romantic time with Clayton as you could. And Marlena pipes up and says, as much screen time? Is that what you said? (laughs) It's so meta at this point. Like, they're all so hyper-aware that there is a wrong reason to be there, and it's to be on TV. And so everything any one of them does is suspect. And then the really meta part is that specifically during the tell-all, calling someone out for wanting to be on TV is exactly the thing that will guarantee you get to be on TV. Yeah, they all seemed very prepared to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it is just this season or if this is like kind of how it's been going, but I feel like they all on every pause were like, there was like five of them jumping in from like each corner of the stage. Like, "Ah!" (laughs) like they all have like too prepared. They're all stepping on each other's lines. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It just, yeah, it was very aggressive. And I don't know if it's just because that's how they actually felt or because they were trying so hard to make a name for themselves, but I think it's probably some combination. Um, it's an opportunity to kind of vent your spleen at someone who annoyed you and possibly get a bunch of followers and end up on Bachelor in Paradise. And I think the problem, maybe the reason that it got so intense is that they did all come prepared with like five mic drop lines. And if you have, like, every one of them trying to get off all of these perfectly crafted, devastating blows on the villain, it sounds so overwhelming. It's like bringing, like, using, like, a sledgehammer to kill an ant. It's like you brought too many quips. But maybe if they had had, like, the one standout quip, which is what they were each imagining... (laughs) It wouldn't have seemed quite that disproportionate, although I still feel like the getting locked in a closet thing was, even by itself, completely beyond the pale. Yeah, it's also really hard out on these streets to get influencer followers nowadays in Bachelor Nation. Like, I read the other day that I believe Susie was the first one to even crack 100K followers, which is very unusual, so much of it has moved over to TikTok too, I think. Like you're splitting between but platforms. But it's also now. like there's also a flood of contestants. Like they've there's had many. so many seasons. And there was also all the past like there was a time, like in 2016, when not that many people from past seasons were even in the game. And mm-hmm. you could kind of just be the most popular, like five people from your season, and there wasn't that big of a marketplace. And now you're competing against all of those seasons of people, plus like three new seasons a year. And it yeah. must be a really tough market at this it's, point. It's really, I mean, I think the heyday was like Chris Souls's season and Clayton's to Clayton's season, in terms of there are multiple people who were on Clayton's season who. Um, or not Clayton season, Colton season. Sorry, I'm getting confused again. <laughs> Look, Clayton, you are Colton. far from the first to say Clayton when you meant Colton or vice Colton, versa. Colton season, there were like, I think close to five to 10 people who came out of there with a million followers, which is just not what's going to happen anymore, which I think 
if people are going on The Bachelor these days to become an influencer, I think a lot of people still think that they'll get that instant fame and they're not really getting it. So I think that maybe pushes them to be even more and more memorable. I don't know. No, I was going to say, I totally agree with that. And I think that that's also why the sort of securing a plum spot on paradise becomes even more important. Absolutely. Because ultimately you need to really like create a brand that will allow you to kind of rise to the top of the crowd. Mm -hmm. You need to have a longer tail storyline. You need to have a more distinct romance. And just going on one of these initial seasons is no longer going to do that for you. Yeah, especially if, to bring it back to Cassidy, (laughs) you're only on for like two episodes. And so Cassidy is having her moment to account for what she did to the women. And she says, you know, the way that I was really forward with Clayton, that's just how I am. I'm very forward when I'm dating. I like to, you know, hook up with a guy, make out, see if the chemistry's there. And Kira's like, no, you're actually not forward. You're disrespectful. You are trying to intimidate the rest of the women. It was a game for you. You weren't into Clayton. And this kind of is the consensus. It seems like Sierra was like, you have a high ego. You're arrogant. You're abrasive. Cassidy says she didn't know how much she was rubbing women the the wrong way, which I find hard to believe because she was literally sitting in a circle with them. confronted by them about it. Exactly. And, you know, she, I think, was kind of playing the villain card, but now is trying to walk it back a little bit because it didn't carry her very far and it's not going to be a successful brand for her going forward. I think also that she is probably just one of, that's kind of probably her personality in dating anyway, is she can be very like forward and aggressive and, you know, I don't give a shit. This is what I'm doing. But maybe seeing that reflected back on TV and how people responded to it. Now she's kind of like, Ooh, I don't really want that to be my re- reputation to the entire country. Yeah, that didn't land the way that I wanted it to. Exactly. And yeah. that didn't really do me any favors. Yeah. I mean, she definitely, I thought during this tell all came off pretty well. And the way that the other women were coming at her wasn't particularly compelling. There was one moment that I actually thought was really (laughs) funny. She says, oh, I actually never talk badly about any of the women. I just said, like, endearing things, like, get out of my way, bitches. And they're like, well, we actually didn't find that endearing, which, okay, fine. And then Kate says, well, you said to me night one that you wouldn't remember my name because I look like every other blonde here. And I was like, okay. And you're mad about that? (laughs) Like... (laughs) you're a pretty blonde lady on The Bachelor. Like, you need to accept that level of ribbing. Also, I could have seen her just saying that in a completely joking way. Like, oh my God, it's going to take me forever to, like, learn everyone's names because everyone looks alike. Everyone does look alike. They all do look alike. Everyone does look alike. Right, like, this is not a hot take. Yeah. Yeah. Cassidy denies it. And I'm like, Cassidy, just own it. You made a joke. It wasn't the right crowd. It wasn't appreciated. I appreciate it. Me too. I just feel like I know who Cassidy is. And like, there's just some girls that, you know, would embrace her kind of like off the cuff, caustic sense of humor. But it seems like these ladies either did not appreciate it at all and were very actually, like, traumatized by it, apparently, or they're choosing to 
make her into this like crazy woman just to build her own brands. Here's the thing. I think that there were things that she did during the season that did rub people the wrong way, that were potentially obnoxious, that did potentially make living with her tough. But the thing that they end up going after her for, this big crime, is something that I think holds no water, which is, of course, the conversation she had with Sierra about the fact that she had a casual sex buddy back home and that he expressed to her that when she came back, he would like to continue having sex with her. And that's just really a fucking nothing burger. Yeah. And Sierra's like taking pains to point out like, oh, he said he wanted to do nasty things. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like consensual. And like, if she's single when she gets back, that might be nice for them. Like, who cares? Also gross. Like the, the, the tone... I really like Sierra in a lot of ways, but her consistent insistence on slut shaming is like very frustrating to me. And she did this on the actual season as well. And like, it's it's a shitty look. Was she the one who said that you're not ready for marriage if you're willing to like banging someone right before you go on The Bachelor? They, like, all were saying that. Like, they Hunter all said that. Was saying, Hunter. They end up having this whole back and forth about it where... You know, Cassidy is like, I, you know, you're pretending that the issue is I had a guy on the side. I didn't have a boyfriend. Like, I just hate that we're still there. Like, 2022, ladies. And Lindsay's like, no one cared about that. It was about the fact that you had plans to meet up afterwards. And I think we actually have a clip of of some of this back and forth. It wasn't the fact that you were having sex with him prior. It was the fact that you left him on a tangent being like, I'll come back for you after this show. That's where the problem was lying. Because for Clayton, he's expecting to find a wife, not somebody who put somebody on hold for a second. If Clayton had proposed to me, the phone call would have been, hey, I know that that show I couldn't tell you I was going on, it was The Bachelor and I fell in love. Good luck. Talk to you later. Talk to you never, whatever. Is the problem. (laughs) So we all watched you walk out. It was good. I wasn't going to cut it off unless I was engaged. Sorry. So he wasn't just a friend so then. Nasty thing. So he wasn't just a friend then. So you did. So you if literally. That was so good. Then you literally you shouldn't have come on a yourself. show to get engaged to somebody else. Well, it's that important. You're clearly not ready to like settle it's down. It's a good thing I'm not anyone's fan. fiance then, I guess, huh? It is. Well, thank, thank God. God. I am like losing it. This is the moment that I was like full team Cassidy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I she's was a, right. I was applauding. She is right. This is yeah. why I said I was team Cassidy because. I was like, this is so regressive and gross. Like, what's wrong with that? She should be putting her vagina on ice once she is dating with any potential to prepare it it. for being a wife. Um, As we all know, if if you've ever enjoyed sex with someone else, you're not wife material. Well, you can. You just have to stop. You can't have contact with that person. Six month period (laughs) of D dicking your vagina like cleanse it out (laughs) every time i go on a date i call my fuck buddy and i say it's over like i'm meeting a guy tonight if all goes well we could get married one day i can't have you on a tangent you know (laughs) while i'm meeting him it's completely discounting the fact that this happens all the time where someone will be dating someone casually because they like sleeping with him or whatever and then they meet someone they ready to get serious about and then it like that happens all the time yeah that's how it works like the idea that because she had someone that she really liked having sex with 
And she didn't preemptively burn that bridge because she might, in this window of time, meet her husband. Like, that just is completely disconnected from the entire concept of a fuck buddy. Like, the whole point is that they're there throughout kind of the process of you potentially meeting someone, but before you've actually formed that more serious relationship. The idea that you have to be like, I am going on a show to date one man with 30 other women, so I just need you to know that I'll never be having sex with you again if I get (laughs) dumped. If I get dumped, which I likely will, unfortunately for me, I guess I just can never have sex again because... I'm wife material. Yeah, that that's what really bothered me about it was it was acting like there's two types of women, the ones who would have casual sex and the ones yep. who are wife material. And I was like, really? This many women believe this? I mean, again, I I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt because like you said, like a lot of them I found to be pleasant in other areas. But it just seems so gross. Like, maybe they were just, like, goading each other and maybe, I don't know. I do but- wonder how much any of them would actually hold to that in real life. I think that yeah. it really is just women getting sucked into the toxicity of this show. And, like, first of all, Cassidy is someone who rubbed them the wrong way. And so they already aren't motivated to like her. And then you can just, like, latch on to the show mythology and the show, like, code of conduct and be like, well, you're just not ready to be on The Bachelor because you have someone back home. Which, in real life, would they ever say to their friend, like, you can't, like, still be in contact with your fuck buddy if you're dating on the apps? Like, no, of course they wouldn't. Like, I really don't believe that Hunter and Sierra are out there enforcing abstinence as long as you're dating with a mind to marriage. Like, that doesn't hold for me. But I think within the context of the show, there is this vocabulary of transgressions that is so easy to to use as a weapon if you hate someone. There's such a strong incentive to find a specific offense that someone has committed in order to justify your annoyance with them. Like you are literally not allowed to just be like, this person rubbed me the wrong way. I found them to be an unpleasant presence. And it wasn't great for my experience to be living in a house with them. You have to say, I was annoyed with them. I disliked them because they committed this high crime within the world of the show. Absolutely. And I think, I don't know. I also am like, ladies, none of you went home and had some fun? Like, come on. Let's let's. Well, this let's like, I hope again, you did. apparently it's not okay to go home and have some fun. That comes up throughout the episode, which <laughs> oh, was right, absolutely right, infuriating. Right. But uh, Kate does have a good take that then turns into another very upsetting, cruel comment. She pipes up here and is like, hot take for me. That's not a big deal that you had this fuck buddy back home. The real offense is... And I was is like, yes. You, yes, Kate. <laughs> you coached Shanae. And turned that bitch into Frankenstein. Okay, that was really interesting. I didn't really get what she meant by that. What, about the coaching? Yeah. I mean, in the early episodes before Cassidy goes home, there are these interesting scenes. We called it coaching, too. When yeah, we were she was. Recapping. She sat her down and said, like, basically, I'll be your sensei. You have to be aggressive. Oh, you have right. to do X, Y, Z. Um, that is certainly what it it looked like to yeah. us from, from, from what we saw. And then she she took the baton and ran with it. I don't actually think, based on how far Shanae took this, 
that she learned all of that from Cassidy. I think Shanae came in with her own agenda. But this is just Kate taking the opportunity, really, to bring Shanae into the spotlight and use another one of her very clearly prepared nasty lines. And Cassidy is like, yeah, you know what? Fair. What A really fair criticism is that I was friends with that person who actually is terrible. And before we get into the Shanae of it all, we are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Can you keep up? I like This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash L-T-S-I. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back and we return to Kate bringing Shanae into the fold. She addresses Shanae and is like, look, when I first met you, I really liked you, but then you robbed me of my time with Clayton and then I hated you because underneath your facade was a, quote, sinister, diabolical bitch. These women really need to find words other than bitch to describe each other. Well, she I found don't... sinister and diabolical, and honestly, I wish she hadn't. Like, she needs to take it down like 17 notches. This is way too much. That's, that's what I was thinking. I was like... Sinister. I'm like, did Shanae, like, kick their dog or something? Like, they did, just all not even. So did Shanae mad. rip their dog open and eat its <laughs> beating heart? Like, this is out of control. Yeah, like, pretty sure Shanae was just really obnoxious. And I would think that... I don't know. I, I mean, I watched it, and she, yeah, she was super annoying, and the shrimp thing was really annoying and all of that, but... As someone who has watched The Bachelor before, it seemed like pretty standard Bachelor villain territory to me. I mean, did she, and I get that she also had this connection with Clayton, so maybe that is what put it over the edge. But how aggressive they were all being and how, like, deeply mad they all seemed to be seemed disproportionate. Like, can't you watch the show and be like, oh, clearly she's just playing the villain and, like, I was really mad at the time, but, like, I'm not going to... Be super pressed about it. Even just be like, I'm going to look like the bigger person a little bit. Like, I'm going yeah. to be measured. These these statements that a lot of them are making have more of the tone and energy of, like, a victim impact statement at a trial for some, like, horrific crime. Like, this, this like, felt to me like something that would read, that they would read out if they were like, this person is being convicted of scamming me out of my life savings and kidnapping my child. Like, that is the level of vitriol that it's yeah. bringing. And it is not at all bringing to me, like, you were unpleasant to me for a few weeks on a reality show. It's also turning the conversation into a conversation about why they are going at her in such an outsized way, rather right. than having the effect that they want, which is to bring the audience into solidarity with their point of view. And I don't know. I've se- ha- I feel like I've seen worse villains on The Bachelor. So, I can't even, every season, like, vanishes into the mist for me. I thought Shanae was pretty bad 
partly because of what we talked about earlier, that they just had this real fear that she could go to Clayton and get them sent home. But, like, I also do feel that, and, you know, she she made fun of Elizabeth's neurodivergence. You know, she was doing these really nasty things. But at the same time, Elizabeth got to speak on that. The world was on her side. They all got to go home. This isn't their entire life. And their reputations are intact. And so I think that you have to sort of be able to take some of those wins and allow it to moderate your behavior in a forum like this. I also feel like Elizabeth handled herself very well, which is interesting because she would have probably the biggest. She was like barely in it. I actually wonder if she got not a lot of inclusion via editing because I would expect her to have a lot to say. I was surprised. Or she made the conscious decision as clearly did a few of them. But like, again, we actually don't know that because there's so much material and it's so much is cut that. We also, it could be that they want Teddy, for example, to look above the fray. We just, like, really don't know. We don't know. I definitely took it as Elizabeth choosing to rise above. That's definitely what it looked like. But then she did make some comments that were pretty (laughs) She did. No, she totally did, but... She was not the main antagonist on the stage. She I wasn't would, screaming. Yeah. I wouldn't even say she was like the fifth main antagonist. Yeah. There are there are just like a whole like lineup of of nasty comments. I mean, Lindsay points out that being around Shanae was lose-lose because if they were nice to her, they were fake. And if they, they distanced themselves, they were bullies. And I was like, wow, that's a really great point, Lindsay. I felt the same way. And then she goes on, from the bottom of my heart, fuck you, Shanae. You can rot in Ohio for all I care. You're dirt. Like, again, oh my God. You can go rot in Ohio where you live, <laughs> your home, a perfectly nice state in the Midwest. Yeah, the the Ohio crew is not going to take kindly. Going back to be, this being a Bachelor in Paradise audition, one thing that could make sense is Elizabeth already secured the bag because everyone likes mm. her. Everyone knows who she is. Uh, they can do an easy redemption arc with her. You know, I was so bullied yep. on The Bachelor, but now I'm looking for love. Uh, all the guys are probably going to be into her just because of this story. So maybe she just knew she didn't have to play the game. She could just sit yeah. back and like, she already it's has It's definitely her. like Lindsay and Hunter who are more like on the cusp, who are going mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. as fuck right now. They're all just like screaming. But there are these moments where like, like they're all screaming and they all start screaming at Shanae and telling her, Hunter's like, you're one of the most disgusting people I've ever met in my entire life. Genevieve stands up and raises her hand until she gets the floor and is like, where was the honesty to our faces calling us bitches? And everyone just starts shrieking and calling her a little bitch. I wrote, I'm so tired. This has already been a million years long. Yes. But that's also interesting contrast with Elizabeth. Um, mm-hmm. and because Genevieve, you could also argue, secured her bag as well because she had, you know, the two-on-one and she like already had the, the drama that, you know, she probably will make it on Bachelor in Paradise, but she still went super hard. I think the difference, though, is in their personalities. From what we saw with Elizabeth, even when she was in the depths of her fight with Shanae, and even when she was sort of lobbing nasty comments at her during the show, she remained fairly calm. Genevieve is someone who gets easily rattled, mm-hmm. and that's why she ended up on the two-on-one. Yeah, Genevieve, I think, genuinely gets very upset 
At this point, Jesse calls Shanae up to the hot seat. As she walks up, even the women are just, like, heckling her. They're like, her ass looks terrible. Genevieve is like, are you wearing a diaper? That was crazy. That made me feel sick. I've never seen anything like this on this show. Absolutely horrific. Kind of went over the, like, over the top. It really crossed a line. Yeah, of being like, normal women tell all stuff. Because the stuff they were saying about her was insane. It was, And it was, like, not just something that I think is an indictment of Shanae's character. It's literally just, like, body shaming. Like, mm-hmm. I, Genevieve got some blowback for posting on social her holding a sign on a night out that said, like, fuck Shanae. And I think she's going to get a lot more after some of what goes down. Um, as she sits, they're, like, heckling her, like, fake cry, crocodile tears, And she just sort of holds her line. She's like, it's been very hard. I was single for five years and then finally loving myself and having confidence. I applied for The Bachelor and, you know, night one, everything was great. But then we moved into the house. Everything changed 360, as they say, and became exactly the same. No, that's what actually 360 would mean. It was more like a 180, and everyone became very toxic and dramatic. And she says, like, Elizabeth and I were friends night one, but then she was, like, cold and bullying in the house. Elizabeth says, we had one conversation night one briefly about our past relationships, and that was it. So if you consider that intimacy, I can see why you've struggled up to this point in your life. And that was kind of of funny. I was like, that's actually, you know, if that's really what happened, like, yeah, like, it would be weird for someone to be like, and now we're best friends based on that. I don't actually take issue with Elizabeth pushing back on that because that was a very present and weird thing that Shanae has really stuck to. Like, you told me you loved me. You said we were best friends. And this is why you're you ignoring me was such. There are these moments with Shanae where. You're like, does she struggle to understand social cues or was she being bullied in a way that's hard to explain or is she playing a very specific role to be the villain? Because I can totally understand a bunch of women drinking and bonding and being like, oh, my God, I had a similar experience. Like, oh, my God, I, I this is so great. You girls are great. I love you. And then the next day being like, well, you said you loved me is like a kind of a weird reaction not yeah. reading kind of some cues, but you can also see how maybe something like that was said and it could have been felt differently by the different people involved. It's just very, a lot of the conflict on the season feels like that to me, where I'm like, I don't understand how these women all had the same experience and what they're saying about it. It doesn't quite add up. It seems like a lot of people failed to read the room. And because of the pressure cooker of a situation that they were all in those social missteps ended up exploding yeah um they've all been inside during the pandemic guys we've all gotten so bad at reading social cues that's why i just scream at you you're a fucking bitch like every day it's you know it's just because i've been trapped and isolated that's really interesting i didn't think what happened i didn't think about that because i guess my read of shanae was just that she was she came in to play a certain role and she stuck to it. But you could be totally right. That's probably what it is. But my mind just boggles at how some of these conversations go and I start theorizing. Um, so at the end of her time in the seat, 
alone, Jesse brings up her apology, and Sierra points out, you know, you lied to Clayton by saying you wanted to apologize, you lied to us by apologizing, and then you lied to Clayton by saying that you're glad you apologized and it felt really right. And Shanae just smiles and is like, I just didn't want to apologize. And they're like, okay, so you lied to Clayton. And she's like, I did it for him. <laughs> Zero progress Look, it's, it's made. Ve- but it's very effective in the sense that she can just rattle these other women to hell because she refuses to break character. Yeah. And I can see, like, if I was on the other end of that, I would, I might also lose my shit. Yeah. I mean, I hope I wouldn't body shame someone, but, like, I can see that being extremely frustrating. You would just have to let it go, I think. Yes. There's no, no, there's no other way to come out on top. Yeah. Other than just saying, well, clearly you don't have the correct understanding of the reality of what happened. And, like, I, you know, I think we just need to leave it here and I hope I don't have to interact with you in the future. The end. It was almost like those are, it was like a perfect storm of um, personalities, I guess, where she somehow knew how to push the buttons of so many girls in the house very well. Because like you said, like, I don't know if someone I already thought sucked was like, yeah, I fake apologized. They seemed like so deeply angry that she was faking the apology. Like, well, duh, she was faking the apology. She like, what did you expect? I don't know. That's what she was doing the whole time. But they just yeah. like, everything she did just seemed to like rattle them to their core in a way that I just like don't understand. Yeah, like you can't really be this shocked. Like she's yeah. doing exactly what you said was in her character to do. Um, So Genevieve has been so, f- so distraught during all of this that Jesse invites her up for a two-on-one hot seat with Shanae. And he asks Shanae again why she called Genevieve an actress. And Shanae again says, oh, well, I heard Genevieve saying the night before she wanted to leave. Genevieve says, yes, I was so upset about the two-on-one. Of course, like, I was feeling really emotional and, and unhappy about being there. And then I watched the episode. I'm extra shocked. You bragged about being like Meryl Streep after telling Clayton I was an actress. And I think we have a clip of Shanae's response to all of this. You know, I, after I got eliminated, I went home. I was grieving. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I've lost weight. And then when you get eliminated, you go home and Aaron from Katie's season. I mean, she's just like, now is my moment to get in just another bout of slut shaming. Can't miss that opportunity. No one's allowed to fuck. If they like Clayton, no one can fuck. If you if like they've Clayton, ever liked Clayton, you your fucking no one ends can fuck. before the show. You cut and off it all never possibility. Returns. Of it. it never returns <laughs> once you go on. She's smiling like she's really pulling something off here. Does she think people will be outraged at the possibility that Genevieve had sex with someone else after leaving the show? I think she's, like, trying to say that she was genuinely involved with Clayton and Genevieve was pretending. So she's trying to, like, prove her last point. She's trying to say all Genevieve wanted was to be, like, a premier member of Bachelor Nation. So she went out of her way to just go party with bachelor people and fuck Aaron and I was grieving like 
nothing is less believable to me than the idea that Shanae went home and grieved so intensely for the loss of her life with Clayton <laughs> that she couldn't eat for weeks. But it is sort of like a Bachelor script, but it's set by someone in like the final four. And we just never saw Shanae have a one-on-one. We never saw her develop anything like the kind of relationship that would seem to merit that level of grief. But when, when she left, she literally like, said, fuck that guy. Right, which I think is honestly a fair... Like, you're on the show, maybe you're genuinely interested in Clayton. Once he sends you home with eight women left, I think it's fair to be like, fuck that guy. I'm going to go see what other hotties are out there. I think that's a totally normal reaction, even if you are genuinely invested. But I think that she is like cribbing from a finalist's bachelorette, you know, pitch by being like, I was so in love. I cried for days. I'm so emotional. And it's not believable because she wasn't at that point in her journey and the idea that Genevieve sh- must should have had the same reaction or she was faking the whole thing doesn't track. Like, does she really think that that tracks? I think Shanae is, is pulling a classic Shanae, which is that she has learned that it's very effective to just change the boundaries of the conversation. Yeah. So the conversation is about the fact that she called Genevieve an actress – No, now the conversation is about whether or not Genevieve fucked Aaron. Right. And there's this tenuous connection, which is, I can prove you're an actress because you fucked Aaron. And (laughs) the thing is, like, once you say Genevieve fucked Aaron, we're just talking about whether Genevieve fucked Aaron. We're not talking about the actress thing anymore. So it does have that effect. And Genevieve is like, I literally just met him at a bar. I didn't even kiss him. And Sinead's like, okay, so... You weren't even, you weren't sad, you weren't grieving, you were just ready to go hang out with Bachelor Nation. The idea that they should all just be in isolation, sobbing, Clayton, I guess for like two to three months post filming. Maybe longer, maybe forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there is an appropriate mourning period, and that mourning period includes, you know, another ritual cleansing of the vagina in order to. Prepare mm-hmm. it purely for the next man that you want to be wife material for. I personally think Genevieve should go ahead and have sex with Aaron if she wants to. Shanae doesn't seem to have any real info on this. She's just like, didn't you though, maybe? And Genevieve's like, no. And Shanae's like, okay. <laughs> She's just like taking a guess there, I suppose. <laughs> you are Elizabeth, Elizabeth wisely is like, Genevieve, do not even attempt to defend yourself. Like, this is ridiculous what do you guys think Shanae's end game is like do you think that she actually liked Clayton or is she just trying to be famous or I think that if you do come on as a villain your end goal is not to marry the person in question I don't think a villain has ever married the lead but you can win or you can get to the very end and have a high profile and I think that like she was open to winning but the real goal was just to be there as long as possible and make a real impression. And she did make a real impression. So she did her she did her best. She sure did. Like if you wanna, if you genuinely are like, I wanna end up with Clayton, you just can't play the villain character. And I do actually think Shanae is smart enough to know that. Um by the end of this, Cassidy just is ready to give a little speech about how. She wishes she had as much space as Shanae to make things right after the season, and it's hard to see it squandered. 
Cassie is just desperate to take any opportunity to distance herself from Shanae. That was and so random. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, Cassidy, we've moved on. <laughs> Jesse offers Shanae one last chance to apologize, and she's like, no. And so Genevieve instead raises her hand. Genevieve is a big hand raiser, like very strong teacher's pet She needs to be called on. From Genevieve. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you manipulated everyone, including Clayton, and you're just a bad seed. <laughs> and if Clayton picked you, he would have been so disappointed. And Shanae's like, well, that's your opinion. And with that, it's time for our next villain, who's sort of like a villain on the cusp. Like, I guess she ended up being a villain, but she doesn't even get space in the villain supercut yeah, earlier. What's the Sarah. bachelor villain uh, equivalent of a frenemy? Because that's <laughs> what Sarah is. She's like a villain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is she? Um, She's a late entry. It's like yeah. once they exhaust the other villains, they're scrambling. They're like, they're okay. Sc- yeah, they're scraping the okay, barrel for anything to just. Who could we edit into the just- next villain? Which is actually, it, it's like, I don't know. I feel like they do this like every couple seasons where they just decide there's a late breaking villain late in the game. But like mostly, oh, yeah. mostly at this point, the producers are kind of happy to just have them all swooning over the lead most of the time. Yeah, I suspect that they, that it's not, editing so much as production noticing some tension and really trying to elicit more discussion of it among the women so that they can make the most of it um because they all like if you just edit someone badly you would see i think more people taking their side at women tell all and no one is taking sarah's side which i actually found surprising because i still can't figure out what she did that was so terrible this is like one of the most confusing things i have ever seen on this show like they have to not i would say they have to not be showing something but it's the bachelor so why would they not show it right what we've heard from them is that she was saying things in people's private rooms late at night that rubbed people the wrong way But they only have that one example to keep talking about, which is not compelling. It's not a compelling example to me. I don't know why they aren't bringing up anything else specific. Or maybe they just, Sarah's just like a grading person. Yeah. They play the reel of what happened on her arc. And then she takes this long pause to gather herself to try not to cry, to try to cry, we may never know. And then she says, it's just hard to watch back and see how it all went wrong. She says getting a second one-on-one before some of the women got a one-on-one at all inevitably changed the chemistry in the house, but it wasn't her intention to make anyone insecure. And Jesse throws the baton to Mara. Why did you go to Clayton? And she says she, quote, saw things from Sarah that didn't coincide with wife material. Ban the phrase wife material. What is that? (laughs) Kate pipes up here and is like, Mara fell on the sword. It sounded like the well was being poisoned. I'm like, Kate, it sounds like you weren't really here for most of this. So like, (laughs) please stay out of it. But these women are all piping up like Genevieve and Teddy and, and Kira to be like, you were saying these things to us about you and Clayton that hurt us and made us feel like it was definitely you and it seemed like it was done as a weapon to try to manipulate us like you told us after your first one-on-one that you were the rock for him as he cried and they were all like oh it must be sarah that he ends up with i wonder if she said 
other things, but like alluded to things happening off camera or conversations that were had that production, you know, production often tells the women not to speak about anything that wasn't shown. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's some of why this is so confusing or they're just grasping at straws to try to figure out why they are annoyed with her. It's hard to say. At one point, Teddy says it hurt her and Rachel because they were her friends and she was framing them as liars, which I needed more detail on that. Like, I was just I think they were, I think Teddy was referring to what Sarah's like posted on Instagram post-show in implying that nothing, that she hadn't said anything. I see. Yeah. I think it might have just been a perfect storm where she was the youngest girl on the show. Maybe she came off to some of the other women like she was, you know, she's 23. I mean, I don't hold it. I don't hold it against her if she's not 100% ready for marriage. Like she probably, you know, she's in a different stage of her life than, you know, someone like Mara. And there's something wrong with that. Um, Maybe she rubbed them the wrong way for other reasons. And then it all kind of turned into this thing where she is, you know, too young, not ready, annoying or whatever. But I really felt bad for her because I genuinely think she didn't mean to make people mad. And that has to be a shitty feeling because it's like, you. I, I don't know. Tell me what you guys think. But I felt she, she was genuinely confused about how she was in that situation. I felt, well, I felt confused still. Like, I was like, to me, it sort of sounds like Sarah felt really good about their date, came back, was sharing what happened, sounded a little overconfident, made them all feel doubtful. Maybe she was like kind of embroidering in that way that you sometimes do when you're just sort of describing your feelings about what happened that rather than what strictly factually happened and that you can easily turn a moment like, I really wept and we were together emotionally in that moment and it was so meaningful into we cried together. You know what I mean? Like maybe she just like got a little carried away and it really bothered them, but she didn't realize. Or maybe she was really going in there and like saying some shit and they can't find a good way to like to make that concrete for us because it was really like subtly and well done, but they could just get a vibe from her that they could tell that it was being done intentionally. It's just like, it's hard for us to litigate. And so that's why it's always annoying to like, for me when this comes up, cause I'm like, this is just a, a conflict I don't know how to litigate. But I could also understand if you're someone who, you know, is a little younger. I mean, I don't know her familiarity with the show, but I think this is something that we've seen before where, someone comes in and they just start talking like they're talking to a group of girlfriends without kind of realizing that everyone else is dating the same person and that people are Mm going to get mad at you about that. Um, So I could totally see a situation where she came in again, like, yeah, she probably embellished a little bit, but like, that's what you do when you're with your girlfriends, you know? So Mm -hmm. like, and she just kind of like spilled her guts to everyone. And instead of it having the intended effect, which is like, obviously she was trying to be friends and bond with everyone, it had the opposite effect. Um, and then she was kind of yeah, back yeah. into a corner because they made her answer for everything she said. And you could tell on her face, she was like, shit, I probably did say that. But I right. was just like, like, when they were like, so did you see tears on Clayton's face? Literally, did you see tears? I, the, when she, the look on her face, I was like, oh, she's sitting there being like, 
I guess I sort of said that he cried, but I actually don't really even remember. I just like... I was going to say, how would you even remember? Like, I guess if he was like really crying, you would remember. But if she was more like, I felt like he got teary. And so I said he was crying, but like now it's so murky. That was sort of the look on her face to me where she was like, totally. uh. That's how I read it too. <laughs> I, I think... But I'm not going to say no, he didn't cry. So she's just like, yes, he cried. And then when Clayton she later said... probably should have been like, honestly, now that I'm trying to think about it specifically... I'm not actually sure, but that was like my experience of it. Yeah. yeah. When, and you know, these women would have been I very receptive to that. Cause that's like, how this has been going. Oh, also like who hasn't been 23 and you go on like an amazing date and you're like, you guys like, Oh my God, we were both. We crying. connected. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We were just like bonding. It was beautiful. I know. Yeah. I was like, am I a compulsive liar that this sounds really relatable to me no. at this point? I don't know. They really corner her into her saying that she saw him cry so that they can check with Clayton later because he is the only authority on whether he cried. And with that, Sarah's time is up and it's Teddy's turn. We're getting into the sort of the heroines, the potential bachelorette pool here. Teddy weeps watching her limo exit. She says it's hard to see how strong they started and how he was validating her, which I agree. It's really rough. He's like, you just bewitch me. Everything about you is perfect. I don't know what it is. I'm just drawn to you. And then one day it's like, anyway, bye. Not sure what happened, but nice to meet you. Must have been confusing. And even the things he's saying in his ITMs at the beginning, like right when she walks in, he's like, I feel an instant connection with this woman. Like I'm overcome by, I just look at her and I I have like hope for a future. I mean, it's vi- it's a very intense about face. Yeah. It's like Clayton just got distracted by like other shiny things and was like, oh, oh, that one. I, f- I guess I forgot about her. I guess it's time for her to go home. Yeah. Whoops. Forgot to give her a, a date in time. That's, that must be really sad to watch back too. Can you imagine yeah. watching someone say all those things about you and then just completely forget about you? Because I would be like, oh my God. Once he talked to me, he didn't want that. Obviously, yeah, that's not I what think happened, it would give but. you the sense that like, that you can't even rely on someone expressing Mm -hmm. that they are genuinely really interested in you you because even someone who is interested in you doesn't find you worth remembering in that way, isn't going to circle back to you in in a meaningful way. And she talks a little bit more here about how her parents, though very loving, had all these separations when she was a kid. And so her dad often wasn't around and she took on this approach of trying to be perfect and worthy of love, which then fed into how she acted in relationships. And she's like, yeah, and then I found myself in an environment where I had to get a guy's attention by doing all the right things. And again, I failed and came up short. And I was like, yeah, when you put it that way, The Bachelor seems like a really bad environment for your mental health and for most people's mental health, but especially if that's a really negative your particular, pattern for you. Yeah, yeah. If that's your particular set of insecurities. This is she was basically primed to have those things poked at and and exploited. Um, and then she talks about the way that the show and the culture treated the fact that she was a virgin. And I think we have a clip of what she says. I think society puts a lot of pressure on women that it changes who they are if they Mm. lose their virginity. And I just kind of wanted to make it known that, like, I don't feel that way. Mm. I think it's okay if someone wants to wait until marriage. I think it's okay if someone wants to have sex every weekend. Like, I think (laughs) I think it just should be a personal decision. (laughs) A good line from Teddy. 
And all of the women who have just been aggressively slut shaming each other are like, yes, beautiful. Have have sex every weekend unless it's with a fuck buddy and you might go on The Bachelor or I guess after you go on The Bachelor for an appropriate amount of time. But sure, 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 every weekend. I feel like Teddy's going to be okay. I do. Yeah. I don't want her to. Teddy's going to thrive in paradise. Yeah, yeah. She'll be good. She'll be good. Yeah. And, you know, she she gets a little bit of the bachelorette potential edit. She cries. He asks her how her life has changed, Jesse, and she says, I feel so open and ready for love now. I'm going to be an amazing wife and mother when I'm ready. So she does give us that full package of, like, I was really hurt, but now I'm ready and open for love. I don't think she's going to be bachelorette, but she is She is giving us that, that energy here. And Jesse brings up that someone in particular slid into her DMs, Clayton's brother. <laughs> How mortifying for him. I know. I was like, poor Clayton's brother. I I think this is like amazing. (laughs) It's so funny. I just, I mean, I love love that they're just like two brothers. Like, oh, oh." I don't know. It's just like, it's just really funny to me. They're like, we're just brothers and we like the same kind of ladies. And (laughs) she's like, I didn't reply. One Eckerd boy in my lifetime is enough. Ouch. Um, that would definitely be awkward, though, at family gatherings. So probably for the best. And with that, it is Serene's turn to sit in the hot seat. And she also says that it's hard to watch the breakup. She felt she gave everything. It wasn't enough. And then their last conversation didn't answer anything for her. It just made her more confused. Because he said basically nothing. nothing. I hope that Clayton will learn how to be better at breakups from this experience. And then Jesse sets her up to say something nice about Clayton. He's like, how did it feel to be truly heard when I shared, when you shared the story of your cousin's tragic death? And Serene's like, it was really special. And she talks about how her cousin will never get to have some of the experiences she's having. And so she is living her life to the fullest and her cousin would want that. And she also talks about how she pushed herself to break down her walls with Clayton and she's very excited for the future, hopeful that the right person is out there. Very poised throughout, no tears. I feel like she came off very well from start to finish. She did. Mm -hmm. I think that Serene's only uh, weak spot is that she is always so poised and she's, I mean, she's in such a tough position and I think that black women on The Bachelor generally are because there are so few ways that it's seen as permissible for you to express emotion and desire. And so you're walking this tightrope of of being very um, demure in order to be seen as, like, acceptable. Um, but then to be a lead, you're expected to show vulnerability and break down. And it's hard to, like, walk that tightrope. And I do think that she walks it very well, um, but she doesn't have as much latitude, maybe, as someone right. like she can't, Susie. She can't be sort of, quote-unquote, messy and overly emotional and have that be rewarded in the way that it would be if she was white. Uh, you know, I think we saw that with, like, Hannah Brown, for example. Yeah. But I would, I would still, I would love to see Serene as The Bachelorette. <laughs> 
I think she would be great. Me I too. I personally don't think that it's going to be anyone who was on the tell-all. I think it's going to be one of these final three. Yeah, they're, they're going to be the would, ones who really break you know. down in a way that the yeah. show is going to want to reward with a lead role. I was going to ask you guys who you thought was the top contenders, but that now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense, which is a shame because I really like both Serene and Teddy. I think they would both Me be too. great. Yeah, and I think they'll both be like bring something different to the role than what we've had in the last few seasons. But anyway, it's time for a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk to Clayton himself. Can you keep up? I like love it. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> Turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts, too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe, and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house my house, my apartment, <laughs> you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season yes. again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really like elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it. So comfortable, so chic. Also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we're back. Our dear Clado enters the stage, and he is wearing 
a shirt and tie. No zip up hoodies with a blazer over it for him. This is formal wear. This is an important occasion and he comes correct. He immediately seems so nervous because I think he just knows. He knows what's coming. This is not going to be like an easy, lovely night for him. I'm very excited to watch the conclusion of this season because he seems destroyed. Not that I'm excited he's destroyed, but I'm just like, oh, my God. How did how did they do it? I haven't read I haven't read any spoilers or anything, so I'm ready. Yeah. The more this season has gone on, the more I'm like, wow, Clayton has had quite a few months because he finishes what sounds like a really explosively awful end to the season and then goes right into everyone being like Clayton like he sucks not Clayton for Bachelor (laughs) I he's he's really going through it and he's definitely very nervous um certainly after seeing how especially the Shanae situation actually went down to face these women and he tells Jesse the hardest part has been watching the show back realizing that he's far from perfect and he made a lot of mistakes. And so Jesse asks for his biggest regret, and Clayton says, well, I wish I'd done a lot of things differently, but I can't say I regret anything because my intentions in the moment were the best. And I was like, what, what is this allergy we have to regrets? I feel like there is a weird live-with-no-regrets culture in American life that leads to people saying, bananas thing like this doesn't make any sense he's like i i wish i'd done things differently but i regret none of it like what does that even mean yeah i think there's there's this idea and it's very potent in the world of the bachelor that like if you express regrets it means that you're trying to like change what is unchangeable and i wonder if it's sort of like a, a christian ethos of like you know, the things that are out of my control, I must let go and move forward. I think I think what he was like trying to say was that he's not blaming himself for his reactions in the moment because he had no way of knowing what was actually happening, which I can kind of understand because it's like what I think like once you watch it back, you're like, oh my God, I should have made that decision. But like, how can you regret something that you had no option of knowing? I don't know. I feel like I'm getting too philosophical. <laughs> no, I, I think that you are to some extent. I think you're right. But then, like, what did you wish you'd done differently? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's and true. If the, and why don't you regret doing not doing those things differently? I mean, to me, it's not even Christian so much as, like, a sort of, like, new agey thing of, like, what is yours will come yeah, to that's you. True. And, like, there is no point in, like, wishing things otherwise because this is the path that will lead you towards manifesting or whatever. But I, I do think that it is – and this is when the women start getting upset because they're, like, take responsibility. There were things you could have done differently, even if your intentions were good. Maybe there were other things you still should have approach differently aside from just having good intentions so sierra jumps in and is like so just a question why neglect all the words of these wonderful women sarah which by the way is sarah good now i'm confused Susie, me teddy we're all telling you shanae is toxic and then she does this one fake apology and you believe her over us why and clayton is like well it was very early i hadn't built trust with all of you yet and so i wanted tangible evidence and Sierra's like, what's more tangible than the entire house? 
I think she has a point. She like, does. what are they going to show him that's tangible aside from all of them coming together and being like, this isn't just one disgruntled person? Like, we can all attest to right. what's we, there, going there on. There is uniform consensus about this person and the impact she's having on us. Like, are they going to bring him like some sort of like weapon or something? Like, we found it. Shanae did it with the knife in the hot tub. Like, no, they're not going to have anything physical. And I think ultimately Lindsay's response to this is the correct one where she's like, look, just own. Basically, you thought Shanae was hot. You had a better connection with her than the rest of us. Like you, you wanted her there. Yeah. Just, just own that. I mean, that's a hundred percent what happened is he like took yeah. it out of her. The end. <laughs> yeah. She's like, no one forced you to put her on a table and make out with her. And I'm like, yeah, that was wild. He that's did do that true. when she interrupted their date. Uh, Clayton then says, yes, I did feel a connection. Shanae, I thought that connection was real, but then you threw the trophy in the pond and that was indefensible. And they're all like, but you kept her after that and <laughs> that sent a bunch of us so home. <laughs> oh my God. And he said it's so serious. Like, and then you threw the trophy in the pond and I knew. <laughs> I knew it would only be several more episodes but that he, I could keep you. But he was so and like, look, I, I understand that he is also, there's also the production element in here that no one can really speak to, but it's like, the elephant in the room yeah and yeah they wanted her to stay but it was funny to be like that well because he's like i did take action i asked her to please apologize to all of you (laughs) so not defending it asking her to apologize (gasps) and sierra then has some words for clayton i think we have a clip that's disrespectful because i had your back i was looking out for you and I was like, I don't want him to make a stupid-ass decision, you know? You did that on your own. I, I tried to help you. I tried to help you. And I'm not even trying to diss you. I tried to help you. I literally tried to. And it's like, I think you're confusing love and lust. I think that you need to figure those two out and really realize, like, what it takes to be a married man. And I don't think you're there yet. And I think that eventually you will get there. But I do not think right now or during this journey that you were there yet. Aww. Just kicking him while he's down. Look, we have wife material, and there is also husband material. Yeah. So that's equality, ladies. I think that it's just very clear when the lead is manipulated by the producers. And to me, I think Clayton was very susceptible to manipulation. And and I think he, the faces he was, was making was just like, genuine remorse and like confoundment about how it went so wrong essentially yeah i think if i were clayton maybe i would say like my intentions were always the best but i regret not asking more questions i regret not standing firmer on this or that like surely there have to be moments that you can reflect on and be like i let the current of this show like carry me into a very bad place and i there were things i could have done in the moment and uh, but like this is what happens when half of the women leave basically with an air of disgust like when he sent Sierra home she was like okay best of luck buddy and they're all coming back to haunt him now so Jesse asks what he has to say to Shanae now and Clayton's like well I believed you I thought we had a connection and to see your fake tears I felt you manipulated me and the women. And Shanae smiles calmly and says, there was a lot you didn't see. You asked for openness, vulnerability, honesty. 
I gave you all of that, Clayton. She says that like four times this episode. She That was like her one line that she came in really prepared with. I think he was just getting hit from all sides and had no idea how to handle it. He was just like, ah, 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 just like looking back and forth. I don't know. I mean, obviously he did not make the best decisions, but I felt bad for Clayton. <laughs> yeah, I, I did feel bad for Clayton and I... In this moment, I I was glad that he had a moment of support from the women in the yeah, midst of all the critiques. That made me yeah, happy. <laughs> me too. But he was like, you know, I trusted you. It was the worst thing I could have done. And the women are like, yeah. They're like, there it is. Yes. He, he must have been so relieved. He's like, I did one thing right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Finally sending her home very, very late. And... Jesse then asks about Sarah and why he chose to listen to concerns about her much more quickly. And Jesse said that at that point, it was later in the season, the women that came to him, he had much more trust with. And he tells Sarah, you know, your actions made all these women want to leave. And it got in my head because I didn't realize that you were playing a game. And so when I found out that you were, I no longer trusted myself to see what other women were doing accurately, which is interesting in light of how things start to unravel. Um, I know. And but I also do actually buy, and I think we said this at the time when we were recapping, that the thing that put him over the edge with Sarah it was, was that all the women he trusted and liked the best were coming to him with these complaints. So like, what would he have to gain by not listening to them? It's just surprising to me, though, and I think Sarah made a good point when she was talking to him that it did seem like they had a genuine connection. So I was a little surprised by his immediate 180 with her. Yeah, I did not feel like Clayton. I feel like he was trying to course correct from how long things dragged on with Shanae, and that's partly why he reacted so quickly. But he handled both of those situations, like, pretty ineptly. And the way that he handled it with Sarah was he invited her on a date and then just dropped a bunch of heavy accusations on her. And then when she cried for a while and was like, it's not true, he was like, okay, great. You're wonderful. We're back to normal. And that was kind of always how he would handle stuff like this. And it's not an emotionally healthy thing for her and it's also not really effective for him to figure out what's really going on so it just I could I understood why her reaction was I feel like I was doing my best to navigate the situation and you kept stirring the pot Clayton like you were the one really yeah I don't blame her for for feeling that way I think it makes sense yeah that's kind of how I felt at the time too I was like Clayton is handling this in a way that will create the maximum like emotional turbulence for her and the minimal clarity for him in a way yeah I I guess if you look at it through the context of Shanae it does make sense that maybe he just had felt so blindsided or betrayed or like he had been manipulated that as soon as something else came up he was like okay I'm done yeah yeah I think he just wanted to kind of be done move on to that like loving part of the season yeah and Clayton uh then brings up the smoking gun the lie about him crying I think we have a clip of this exchange I don't understand why you said the things you were saying such as you know he cried with me and listen here's the thing 
men, real men cry. I cry. I mean, you guys have seen it in the previews. I cried plenty of times. Like, <laughs> I'm not upset that you said that because it's like, oh, you know, oh, she's calling me out for crying. No, I cried plenty. What, like, what it was was I was questioning why would you tell the other women I did that when I didn't, and that was where. Because we did have this as a topic of conversation earlier, yeah. Sarah did say that you did cry. It was a little bit of a wishy-washy response. So you're the saying flesh. that you did not cry on your first one-on-one -on -one with Sarah. No, I did not. I did not say you cried to me. I did not say that. I also, when I was, when I was clarifying, when I was saying the thing about not accepting the rose, I was, they were asking about the date and I was saying how it was hard and uncomfortable and, and whatever. Sorry if I, I like overshared that and it was uncomfortable, but this feels ridiculous again to talk about crying or not. I think we both have shed enough tears on camera the to lie. not have to discuss this any further. And I don't understand how it's applicable anymore, but that's what I said. I'm more confused than ever. <laughs> so confused. No idea what Sarah, happened. Sarah did not prepare Sarah for that fact check. said something, she exaggerated, and now she's being taken to court and she does not have a defense attorney. <laughs> And she's yeah. defending herself and she's flailing. But she should just not defend herself. That would have been the end. Yeah, I mean, but Clayton, like, come on. Like, he's leaning into this, like, Judge Judy, like, no, I did not cry. And they're all like, oh, and it's just like, oh, my God. Like, what? I mean, he could have been like, guys, come on. Like, you know. I mean, I don't know. I think he he's just, mad at Sarah. He feels like at, she was he's really, annoyed. He's yeah. mad at Sarah, and he's so desperate for validation at this point that he was just like in the palm, like eating out of the palm of their hand, just like, okay, I'll make this into a thing. You know what I mean? And he only got scattered applause for saying real men cry. The Bachelor audience is not sure if they're on board with that, actually. They're like, do <laughs> real like, men do cry? They? I don't know. Yeah. Hold back your tears, Clayton. It is so, very, it, it just. Uh, I understand that it's just one example that they're trying to use uh, as a case study about what Sarah did, but it's just, to me, this is even worse than Shrimpgate. I'm like, I can't believe, sort of like Sarah, it's I'm like, so I can't stupid. believe we're litigating this in such detail. And with that, uh, Marlena decides to offer Clayton some comfort. She pops up here and is like, Listen, dating toxicity, dating narcissist, it's really hard. We've both done it. Is Shanae a narcissist? That's not for me to say. But, <laughs> you know, I couldn't do what you did, so hats off to you. And Clayton's like, thank you. Oh, my God. He looked like he was about to burst into <laughs> tears then in just gratitude to Marlena being his, like, one friend on that stage. Marlena is a... She's a gem. She's she's very kind. She's I awesome. Think. Like she just came out looking so much better than all of the other women, in my opinion. And probably with that, you know, probably secured her back too. So, ladies, you don't have to, you don't have to be crazy insulting to get on Bachelor in Paradise. I feel like she'll get yeah. a slot if she wants it. I hope so. Um, next, Clayton addresses Serene about their last conversation, and says that it made him feel sick to his stomach that she was invalidated by their breakup. And after that, he didn't want to keep holding back on expressing his feelings to the women because he didn't want the next woman to feel the way she felt. 
And we're like, oh, God, Clayton, uh, we know what's coming. This is going to really backfire on you. Yeah. He apologizes to her and says, I wish I would have opened up to you instead of you being the person to teach me that. And that great lesson that I think is going to really work out for him at the end of this season and everything's going to go smoothly. <laughs> Next, Kira does an interesting move. Kira decides that now is the moment to shoot her shot with Clayton. So she, Honestly, respect. She I raises love her hand. <laughs> She's like, you got a lot of criticism. Most of it really deserved. But watching it back, I just saw more and more of your good qualities. And I was more and more attracted to you. And I don't know if you're engaged, but if you're single, I'm single too. This was so funny. <laughs> I loved it. Everyone is dying with laughter, except Clayton, to me, sort of looks like he's trying to, like, pretend that it's not happening. As, like, he didn't really, like, engage with what she said at all. He's just sort of like, do-do-do-do-do. Anyway, <laughs> back to being insulted. Uh, and next we get a blooper reel. Of course, Bachelor uh, standard, uh, mostly bugs. I would say this season mostly women being attacked to by bugs. Eighty percent about bugs. Yeah, uh, a little bit of Gabby doing like physical comedy, always appreciated. And then Clayton thanks Jesse for being such a good host and introduces a highlight reel of Jesse's own season. Which I Honestly, never watched, so. really enjoyed this. Legit. And I loved them just absolutely ribbing him for forgetting a woman's name and calling that is bachelor the, the wrong name history. at a That ceremony. is the only yes. time that has ever happened. It's incredible, incredible stuff. And I also love to see, you know, how far Jesse has come in his hosting abilities. Because we just see him being absolutely unable to complete a full sentence on his season of The Bachelor. And I am, you know, pleased to report that he has at least done that. He can read a cue card now. Host. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, Clayton, this could be you someday. <laughs> I'm sure he's hoping. <laughs> it's like the inarticulate white lead of The Bachelor to successful TV host pipeline. Is that, exactly. is that what we want exactly. in yeah, the a world? Strong, strong pipeline. <gasps> Not saying we endorse it, but it's certainly there. <sighs> So after this, uh, Jesse brings up the fact that Clayton fell in love with three women and it's all about to go down in this messy finale. And Sierra interrupts to offer a few thoughts. I think we have a clip. Just really quickly, you know, speaking on the fact that she fell in love with three women, you know, you, you obviously know that we are all very close. All of us women are very close. And we, a few of us, have been able to hear about what goes down and how messy it gets. And I want to know exactly, you know, who are you to act a certain way and treat these women a certain way and subject them to this kind of behavior of yours? Like, what did they do to deserve it? Whew. But also, like, how <laughs> how is he supposed to answer that? Because he can't. Yeah, that's he so can't. True. Well, it's <laughs> not designed to be answered. It's designed to be true. felt as a rebuke. I mean, she's got this is like really more of a comment than a question. Um, she's raising her hand at the reading and she's like, you know, I have a question. Well, actually, it's really more some thoughts on what you did. And I just have to like this had really better be bananas because they have to this deliver is strong language this builds up 
I'm dying to see how this all goes down. I kind of think if the women on the season are saying they heard it from the other women, I don't know. It has to be good, right? I don't think that they're all just like in cahoots to like make it into something it's not. Yeah, I just read this as like he currently or at least ended the season not not in a relationship with anyone. And so they have all had time to shit talk. He seems very sad. Yeah, I think he is very sad. And we do see in the preview trailer, again, his dad just raking him over the coals for (laughs) screwing everything up. So I'm like, I I really need to just see how this all plays out because this this is a reaction I have never seen at Women Tell All. I've never seen anything like the trailer we've seen. It's, I don't even know what to expect. And maybe that it's, that we haven't seen Jesse Palmer say 5,000 times that this is the most dramatic season of The Bachelor ever. But when he told me I believed him, I was like, Jesse. <laughs> you're like, you're not Chris yeah, Harrison. I was like, Jesse, Maybe really? I can trust your Oh, words. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor ugh, Clayton stays very calm. And he's like, I just reacted the way I thought it was appropriate. There are no bad intentions, but I will learn from what I did. Very, it's just very weird to have someone like basically on trial for misdeeds that we do not know the nature. We don't of even yet. know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> even and worse than the Sarah situation. <laughs> I mean, it could also be that they were going so hard against him too because they know what happened. I think that's definitely oh, yeah. part of it. Yeah, um, I agree. And Teddy offers a moment of gentleness for Clayton. She's like, "I also heard everything that happened, and I'll just leave it at. I hope you're." Okay. Oh God! It was that was the moment where I was like, "Oh my God!" Okay, ABC, I'm honestly, I'm tuning in. I'm worried about Clayton's mental health. I'm worried about the mental health of most people involved in the show at this point. This is, this does not seem like this seems like an extra unhealthy environment compared to even most seasons. I think the thing that I don't know, I I don't like to defend men, but. <laughs> Same. It doesn't really Same. seem like it's. Uh, he doesn't give off evil vibes to me, and he seems so genuinely sad and confused that I'm just like, I don't think. I mean, they all seem mad at him. I could totally eat my words, but it doesn't seem like he did any of this on purpose. I don't know. No, that's see. I just find him to be so primed to be manipulated by production that. I sort of read him as like hapless, wayward hunk, just like yeah. doesn't have the foresight to make the right decisions and is easily able to be led into like a trap of just complete drama. And I think that we've seen the show as it's gone on and ab- as they've seen the returns that this can cause be extremely willing to set their lead up to fail. Yeah. Yeah, and again, and I, I think like that could, might be what we see. We could here. all eat our words based on what we see, yeah. but I do feel the same way. And it, there is just something. It's sort of like even what happened with Shanae, who I think was quite intentionally malicious based on what we saw. That like, it just seems so harsh to to come with this level of hatred and anger, especially because Clayton does seem like he is just well-meaning and fucked up in a way that was not malicious and it hurt a lot of people, but, like, he knows. 
and he's sorry. Like, it just is hard to see someone ripped to pieces that way. It was hard even watching it with Shanae, and it's hard watching it with Clayton, too. Neither of them are people I'm generally primed to want to defend, <laughs> as he said. So this episode was just, like, really confusing and exhausting to watch, in part because of that dynamic. And to be honest, I am really fucking bracing myself for the end of the season. I'm terrified. Yeah. We do get a preview, and uh, we see Clayton saying, I love you, to Susie and to Rachel. We see him saying, I'm falling in love with you, to Gabby. We see him saying he's so broken. We see his dad being like, you're grasping at straws. Don't try to blame someone else for what happened. It's going to be... It's going to be, this show is like, this show, it's, it's becoming, it's becoming cruel to me. Like, I don't, I'm just like at a loss after this episode. (laughs) Anyway, let's, let's wrap it up there. Any predictions for uh, how this season is going to finally shake out staff? I think he's not with anyone. Yeah. I mean, I, he, there was a preview of, him telling them all um, about how he's in love with all of them and all of that. So I think the next couple of episodes are just going to be like a huge crying mess <laughs> from that. Um, I would agree. I am sticking to my previous prediction that Susie is going to self-eliminate and that is as a result of something to do with sex and that he that is why he is going to feel that he needs to announce that makes a lot of sense this to to the remaining two yeah can't wait to spend my next week or so in emotional crisis because of this show Steph thank you so much for joining us for this women tell all recap it's been a pleasure Always happy to discuss the bonds of sisterhood with you ladies. (laughs) And now it's time for Love to See It, Hate to See It. Let's start off with Love to See It. As usual, the shorter of the two lists. Yeah, especially for this episode, my God. Um, But let's start with Teddy and Serene giving good showings staying mostly out of the fray and keeping their their bachelorette campaigns a bit more clean, unsullied. <laughs> and I love that look for them. I thought they both came off very well. We also loved when Teddy made a point to clarify that she believes that virginity or lack thereof says literally nothing about a person, about a woman. It says nothing about her character or really anything about her. That was a great moment in a sea of just awful slut-shaming and internalized misogyny. Uh, I appreciated Clayton taking a moment to clarify that real men do cry and that he is okay with people knowing that about him. Um, I think that's an important message, and we do thank him for taking a moment to do that. We also love to see Marlena, just her like lovely offering of friendship and support to Clayton in key moments while still sticking to her guns, and of course, that A-plus neon green dress. 
And now it's time for Hate to See It. Oh, God. Honestly, just like most of this. <laughs> most of that entire thing. This is always my least favorite episode of the season. And this was like perhaps my least favorite one ever. Um, let's start with just the constant use of bitch, bitches, and, and just like generally gendered feeling language and slurs against the other women. Truly hated it. Really fucking hated it. We also hated to see all of the slut shaming. First of Cassidy for committing the crime of potentially thinking about having sex with her fuck buddy if she got broken up with after the show. And then, of course, the slut shaming of Genevieve for allegedly fucking Aaron Clancy after she went home. Like, this is gross. It's extremely regressive. And I truly don't even know why these women's casual consensual sex lives are even up for fodder conversation or debate. Also hate to see just the shit-talking and body shaming around Shanae's appearance. You know, her ass looks terrible. Are you wearing a diaper? Like, I don't see how that could be perceived as a remotely reasonable reaction to the ways that they felt and experienced bullying from her. Um, There's no need to ever bring that kind of commentary into dealing with conflict with a person that you disagree with or have had issues with. It's just spreading fat phobia, negativity, and that has more people who will suffer from it than just Shanae. Completely unnecessary. And it accomplishes nothing except seeding the moral high ground and causing pain to other people. Like, you are not gaining anything by employing those kind of critiques or using that kind of language. And that sort of speaks to, like probably the biggest thing that we hated, which was the overall just absolute vicious nastiness of this entire Women Tell All special. It was painful to watch, painful to relive in this recap, and I just absolutely hated it. And I wish that we could find, I wish that we could find a way for the show to mine the material that they got while filming with out incentivizing the contestants to stoop to such low levels to gain attention. Also hated to see how many things weren't really clarified by this Women Tell All. Zero clarity on the things that Sarah said that rubbed everyone wrong. Also, I really wanted follow-up on Elizabeth quite obviously lying about having been in the hot tub when Shanae brought out shrimp didn't come up, was pretty disappointed about that. And of course, zero mention of the worst thing Sinead did, which was mocking Elizabeth's neurodivergence. It really just didn't come up. Absolutely, absolutely bizarre. And now it's time for our tailgate energy rating out of 10 Bud Lights. And I think this one, it's got to be a one. No pumping up. Unless, you know, you count verbal brawling as an element of tailgates these days next time someone goes to a tailgate (laughs) let us know is everyone just screaming you're a nasty little bitch or maybe everyone else is it possible that this episode broke the tailgate scale in the other direction like is this what happens when you have 15 bud lights at a tailgate with all of the women who used to date your ex-boyfriend 
is it that kind of tailgate setting? You know, for me, it's a one. This isn't what I think of as being tailgate energy. And we're just going to have to see if Clayton's able to muster some of those pep talks and some of those hollers and bring us some good tailgates for the finale. That's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our guest, Stephanie McNeil. You can find her reporting on BuzzFeed and you can listen to her podcast, The Rise and Fall of LuLaRoe. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please follow us, rate us five stars and leave us a review. And of course, spread the word about Love to See It, especially to any of your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clarenemmapod at gmail.com with your questions and voice memos. You can also find us on Twitter at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clareandemma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back tomorrow to recap that explosive Fantasy Suites episode. Stitcher. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts.